It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Also in Auburn, Alabama. Ready to recap. Auburn's 45-13 win over Sanford on homecoming Saturday. The man with the golden voice, Mr. Dan Peck. Hello, Dan. Hello, Justin. Uh, hello, one and all. And uh, yeah, it's great to be home, right? Justin on a on a homecoming weekend. It's great to great to come home. Me, you, Walker Kessler. We're all it, all the stars are back at homecoming. All the all the most famous along. I, I think you uh, you posted the other day on Instagram about the uh, I don't know if you went to it or the 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 twenty under forty thing. And I, I think you got robbed this year, Dan. Yeah, I, I really was, I, was, I really do. Narrowly beaten out by a couple thousand other people is is how it was explained uh, to me. Including Congre- Ben Obamanu. Ben Obamanu. It's like if Ben Obamanu's up to up for it, we don't have a chance. Wow, we're just giving I, it out, I guess. If guys who can become <laughs> lawyers and are excellent football players can, you know, whatever. I I know three. I think I know three of the twenty because Britt Britt Bowen was also picked as one of the twenty. Yeah. Uh, from the Auburn Sports Network, my friend Chloe Malas from the Today Show. Uh, was picked as uh, as as one of the 20s. okay. This show is just as big as the Today Show. Yeah, I mean Roker Schmoker, and then uh, uh, and then yeah, Ben Obamano as well. So I mean, knowing knowing three of the twenty is pretty good. If I can't actually be picked uh, myself, but there's still time for uh, for, for Auburn to realize uh, what they uh, what they've got here, Justin. Obamano really is one of those people where it's like, how can someone be so talented? You oh, know, like there's a, that combination yeah. of like, oh, you went pro, and then you're like, and how about a law degree? Yeah, it's a a gumpian existence for Ben Obamano to be to be sure, right? I mean, to go from football sensation, and then and then after after the athletics is uh, is is finished, you 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 do stuff like what what Ben Obamano has been able to do. Ben Obamano also, by the way, Ben Obamano looks like he was in the league for eight or nine years. Like it wasn't like he, you know, and just getting in the league for a little bit is a huge accomplishment. You know, I think when people look at guys who don't stick around in the league too long, have to go to Canada or just give up, you know, give up playing football, they're done. You know, people can look at it as a disappointment, but man, it is hard. It is really, really hard to stay in the NFL, especially for more than a couple of years. Uh, so shout out Ben Obama. Shout out all the all the folks who are twenty under forty. Dan and I and Painter, we're we're all we're all we're all gunning for the for next year. We're already the campaign begins now. This is the new this is the new campaign for sure. Uh, Painter, by the way, Painter Sharpless on the ones and twos, the producer extraordinaire, uh, coming to you from an undisclosed location so the government can't find him. Uh, how are we doing this morning, Painter? You know, it was one of those weekends. I don't think we got the full effect, but it was one of those weekends where you looked at the college slate and you went, this is kind of boring. And then it still, you know, kind of turned out to be pretty entertaining. Uh, it wasn't full throttle, but there were there were right. there was more in there than you would have thought if you just glanced at the schedule, say on like Thursday evening. Yeah, this sport almost always delivers in terms of something to entertain you. Might not always be the best football, might not always be the upsets. And then on Saturday, I think there was a lot of maybe like just kind of look at it and say, all right, keep an eye on that. And it, it didn't work out for a, for a lot of those games. And I think that's important in the context of you know kind of what, what happened to Auburn uh, on Saturday and kind of the the process there. But you know, I'm sure we'll talk about you know what happened with 
Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, USF, Colorado, Colorado State. Um, you know, there's there was there was still some some pretty good fireworks. I mean, and then on top of that, like you know, I just said, didn't seem like we got a real big surprise. And then Florida just took it to Tennessee. Um, it just seems like seems like the Vols always play their worst in Gainesville. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll get to that obviously. But first, let's take care of some business. Let's talk about Auburn over Sanford, forty-five thirteen. Like I said, uh, the Tigers uh, homecoming win that. You know, by the end of it, it was pretty comprehensive. You did what you needed to do. Uh, we had said kind of going in that the score and the result itself wasn't as important as the process. Uh, the process uh, wasn't always pretty, but I did think Auburn uh, learned a lot about itself and showed some showed some progress that they needed to make. And uh, just a bad leadoff here, of course. I think you got to start with Peyton Thorne. Yes, it's Sanford. We'll go ahead and say that up front. Everything we say on this podcast uh, tonight uh, or today is going to be, yes, this is Sanford. Uh, but uh, Peyton Thorne, 24-32 for 282 yards, a touchdown, two picks. We will talk about the two picks. 123 rushing yards on 10 true rushing attempts. He was sacked for a, a loss of a yard on, on one play. 124 rushing yards there, two touchdowns. Here's why that's notable. He is the first Auburn running back to or quarterback to rush for that many yards in a game since Nick Marshall in the Tennessee game in 2013, where Auburn just did not care about throwing the ball and ran all over the Vols. Also, the most yardage, total yardage for an Auburn player since Nick Marshall again in the 2014 Iron Bowl, uh, where there were just nine million yards in that game. Um, it wasn't always pretty. It started slow for him. Um, and, and some of the decisions he made. But I think by game's end, you got to look at the Peyton Thorne performance and say, hey, he looked, as I wrote on, on, on Sunday morning for the observations, I thought he looked more like the quarterback Auburn is going to need him to be this season if he is indeed going to stick as QB1. Not perfect, but you complete 75% of your passes. You run the ball very smartly and very effectively. Uh, and outside of the, the interceptions, you do a good job of, of, of making the right reads and, and throwing, throwing the right guys. That's what you want in a game like this, especially for a guy who just did not get a whole lot of passing work uh, in the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, I thought it was important to see Peyton take a step forward for a couple of reasons. You can dismiss it because it's Samford, but Auburn played UMass in week one, and Peyton Thorne didn't look – nearly as comfortable as he did on Saturday night. And UMass is, you know, probably one of the bottom 10 bowl subdivision programs in the country this year. So you, you'd think that, I mean, even even against an opponent that you would expect Auburn to overwhelm in the opener, Peyton Thorne was uh, still getting comfortable. And I thought last night he seemed by and large, more comfortable. I was glad that the coaching staff, we talked about this on the uh, on the Thursday edition of The Drive that you were on, Justin. Mm -hmm. I was glad the coaching staff decided to just let it be the Peyton Thorne show for a half. I, I, don't, I can't get into his brain, but I would think that the looming backup quarterback playing as much as he did in the first two weeks might have messed with Peyton mentally a little bit. You know, you're, you're second-guessing throws before you make them when the backup is about to come in the game 
the way Robbie Ashford was about to come in the game the first two weeks. Seemed like they just let Peyton Thorne run the offense, and it was it was his show for the first half. And yeah, I thought you saw I I, I thought you saw improvement for sure. Uh, you know, and it was it, there were struggles kind of early on in this game. I want to talk about the two picks, the negatives first, for the rest of the positive. The two picks. Uh, so Auburn throws it. <laughs> First and first and goal at the one, second and goal at the one, and then third and f- goal at the six after a false start. Uh, the first throw, if you go back and watch, tight window, throwing it into traffic. It looks like Shane Hooks does get his hands on it, or at least it's a fight for the ball. Ball gets popped up and deflected, picked off, no points for Auburn. Frustrating for sure uh, for Auburn. Doesn't seem like as bad of a decision or as bad of a throw as the second one. Uh, where, you know, after hitting some plays downfield, Thorne decides to throw it up uh, towards Shane Hooks in uh, double coverage uh, deep downfield, uh, deep post route. Uh, Great play by the Sanford defensive back. It gets intercepted. Um, The problem there, Jair Shorter running wide open underneath. It's a third and either third and long or third and medium. Could have just been an easy first down there. It's a bad decision. You forced it. Um, but you know, I think those are the two you probably wish you'd have back maybe some other ones in that game, but again, complete 75% of your passes. That's the most for an Auburn quarterback, uh, that had, it had 30 plus attempts in a game since Jarrett Stidham in the, in the, in the, uh, Mercer game in 2017, a game that we talked about. Now I want to talk about this real quick up front. Auburn threw the ball a ton, uh, 10 passes on the first drive of the game. Now, Free said after the game that they wanted to throw the ball um, and they wanted to be more balanced, get some more confidence uh, through the air. But remember, a lot of this offense runs out of the RPO. And what an RPO uh, does is basically you read what the defense is doing and then you decide where to go with the ball because of that. Sanford, all week, Chris Hatcher, I think some of the players that talked, Talked about the importance of slowing down Auburn's running game. And they were very aggressive in that. Safeties were, were spinning down quick. Got a lot of guys in the box. Auburn struggled with some of that. We'll talk about that later. So there were a lot of one-on-one opportunities, a lot of plays to the outside to, to make. And so Peyton Thorne pulled it a lot and threw it a lot. I think part of it, yes, was Auburn wanted to throw the ball. But like that first and goal, second and goal you know, situation, some of those you need to go back and kind of look, hey, is is it one on one coverage at the reading? You know what what is the what is the defense doing? If so, you throw that one up. And then as the game went on, Thorne looked more and more comfortable uh, throwing the ball. Uh, there was a crazy stat that I think it was Justin Hokinson had that it was like at one point in the game, like the vast majority of of Thorne's uh, incompletions were in goal line situations or inside the inside 10. So it was a little different. I think between the twenties did a good job moving the ball. Uh, after he threw that pick, he then completed his next eight passes. Uh, and then there was, um, the other, um, the other interception can't bounce back and hit four and hit four more in a row, uh, eight of his next 10. So uh, a good game, uh, uh, some good bounce back, from Thorne and I think that's Dan I think that's kind of what you wanted to see um it does feel like Thorne will press too much at times so try to force the issue he had some mistakes early 
and then settle settles in and makes some good throws and 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 hits some guys downfield some explosive passes. They had four passes that 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 I believe went over uh, thirty yards in this one. Yeah, I think it was important for Auburn to uh, to use this opportunity to work out the kinks in the passing offense because if Auburn if Auburn had run for four hundred plus yards and thrown the ball eight times against Samford. I don't know if any of the looming questions about this mm-hmm. offense, the pressing questions people have, I don't know if any of them would have been answered before A&M. And not to say they were answered last night, but I could see why Auburn says, all right, well, we, we feel like we, we know what we have with this run game. One of the more interesting things about the run game was Jeremiah Cobb getting two touches on that first drive of the game. I think one of them in the red zone, the, the pass that set up the – the the goal line mm-hmm. uh, situation was the you know the, the the pass to Cobb but little tap pass yeah Jeremiah Cobb had a couple of touches there on that on that first drive of the game the one that ends uh, with the with the interception on the attempt uh, to hooks but no I mean after Hugh Freeze yeah, I don't want to say he called him out uh, earlier in the week but Hugh Freeze made it clear he was unhappy with what he's getting out of the receivers other than five and six and so. Uh, this this was a chance for Auburn to throw the football to guys other than five and six. I'm not sure Javarius didn't play very much on offense. Uh, did not he didn't play at all. And and then Jay Fair, who has looked like Auburn's best receiver uh, for for the first three weeks. You know he continued his hot start. Seven and, catches yeah. for 93 yards. That's one of the better Auburn receiving performances we've seen in the last couple of years. No matter no matter who it is, no matter who they're playing. And then to get some uh, to get some shots in towards Shane Hooks, who catches his first touchdown uh, as as an Auburn player. Uh, there were attempts to Coy Moore. Uh, there were attempts to Malcolm good, Johnson. Good to see him back. Coy Moore um, getting a couple catches in this game. Freeze believes that he can be a guy who helps I, you out just because of his experience. I think the deep interception, the second one, was an attempt to Coy Moore. Uh, in the uh, in, in the in the back of the end zone, the the, the deep ball, I, I believe that's right. Um, and the uh, uh, oh, and Amari Kelly had a deep ball too, right? Amari Kelly had a long completion, which is another guy that, that kind of got would love kind of got everything started. Kind of got everything started. Painter, your, your boy, your pick, your pick to click. I'm, I'm glad you glad you bullied Dan out of that pick, aren't you? Yeah, I think he only had two receptions, but man, as you said, I mean, really led the way for the team. Absolutely brilliant stuff from me. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I thought this was a, I thought this was a pretty good game uh, from Auburn in a, in a lot of ways on offense. Um, it, yeah, the passing game is is a lot more like what you want want to see. Um, I'm going back and and watching the uh, the the pick right here, uh, and you're right, it was to Coy Moore. I said Shane Hooks earlier, Dan. You were right. Uh, well covered, uh, Coy Moore on that play. Um, but the outside receivers asked Freeze about this after the game. Felt like the outside receivers did take a step up, step up, make some progress. Having uh, having more out there uh, could help because he has played a good bit of football and SEC football football at that in his career. Uh, Shane Hooks, I mean, has the potential to take the top off defense, go up and get it. Um, you get, like you said, Amari Kelly a couple catches, Coy Moore a couple catches, Jair Shorter um, had had ten yards, should have had more uh, in, in this game. Uh, I you know I thought uh, just you know again being targeted in some of these kind of situations, 
you feel like you've got a little bit more confidence in some other guys after a game like this. Again, it's not going to revolutionize uh, what you think, uh, your your thoughts of Auburn's passing game, but um, you knew you could rely on fair. You're seeing more – you're continuing to see more of hooks, and then, you know, he gets his first touchdown. Uh, more being back is good. Kelly's a guy that you can rely on, I think, at this point. And then you're seeing some Jair Shorter and some other guys get on the field and have some opportunities on this one. I think Malcolm Johnson Jr. played a decent amount. Cameron Brown played a, played a handful of snaps. Neither of them were targeted, but, um, you know, trying out different guys and different looks. And then on top of that, I mean, Dan, your boy, Rivaldo Fairweather, he, I mean, Auburn made a concerted effort to use him early in this game. Um, he had three catches in the first quarter uh, and then uh, then a 41-yarder in the second quarter, um, which was huge. But, like, yeah, I mean, you you need to get him the ball. And they were running plays specifically designed for him, RPOs and stuff like that, then taking a shot downfield. He's just really good at going up and getting it. And uh, that's the type of player Auburn needs, especially when your outside guys aren't firing on all cylinders at this point in the year. We were talking about the interceptions in the press box, and you know, Bill Cameron tossed out the possibility that you know is, is this is this an offense where Peyton Thorne is is only making one or two reads and then scrambling, or is he is he going down is he going down the checklist? I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it would make sense if if the only receiver he was supposed to look at was Coy Moore on the interception. Don't it would think make that- more sense. But I know I know Hugh Freeze said something at the press conference that would indicate. Yeah. Maybe that was just a misread. Don't think that's the case. I think a lot of it is in the RPOs. And remember, you can tell an RPO for the most part by how the offensive line is blocking. If they're pushing ahead like it's a run block, um, it's an RPO. And they throw out of it, it's almost always an RPO. Sometimes an RPO can be more of just a check, a pre-snap check, where it's just we're going to snap the ball and throw it up pretty much immediately because we like the one-on-one coverage uh, on the outside or we like a matchup in a certain situation. But, yeah, that, that touchdown, or I'm sorry, that, that interception was a drop-back pass, read the field. There were different options on it. So, that yes, in the RPO offense, and I wrote a little bit about this on Sunday, in the RPO offense, there's a lot of times where you just have one read. It's like, hey, you either throw it to this guy or you take off and run. And Thorne did a really good job of that in this game. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about his running uh, here in a second. But um, it was interesting. Thorne did talk about kind of his – uh, passing and just kind of going through this progress progressions. Here's a quote. He said, there are some times where I'm looking at quote, Hey, this guy, I'm going to him pretty much no matter what, but you got to read coverage. Coverage is going to dictate where the ball goes. Most of the time, especially with a team that plays a lot of man, they didn't play a lot of man tonight. Got to read the coverage and trust the concept. Feel like I did that for the most part tonight, but there are a couple of them that I'm definitely going to watch on film and want back. It happens. You're working to make that as little as it can be going to keep working on that and go from there. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of like quick, very like, hey, you get it to this guy in this offense, especially in the RPOs. But in the more traditional stuff where you sit back and and you you have protection and you're, you know, reading the field, you know, you have an opportunity to go through your progressions, I think Thorne at times can do a better job of reading through that, trusting it that shorter, you know, when he should have gone a shorter instead of throwing the deep ball to more. That's a key example of it. Um I didn't think he was bad in that area, but yeah, there were some times where it's just that's the guy and you turn it loose. Sometimes that's by design. Sometimes that's by your quarterback not, you know, going through everything and not feeling like he's comfortable enough going through everything. 
whether it's being in protection with this new line uh, or knowing who they can rely on uh, at receiver instead of just going to the guy that he knows he can trust, that that remains to be seen. But that is an area I think he can get better at for sure. That's something that I think they're going to focus on and work on. Hearing him say that kind of unprompted, he brought that up himself after the game on uh, on on, on uh, Saturday. I think that's a sign that they're like, hey, that you know, for all of the good Thorne did throwing the ball, um, especially after that that early turnover, there's there's you know plenty of stuff he can continue to work on, and he's aware of that. Yeah, and you know, we were saying that this week was a big week for like the personnel who wanted to be on the field against A and M. You know, this this was a game where you probably needed to make a compelling argument if you wanted to be part of the game plan against A&M, with, with a couple of exceptions. But I thought that there were receivers who stepped up, uh, and I, I really thought that Peyton Thorne did a good job you know, sort of showing folks why he won the competition, why he started the year as the starting quarterback. And you know, not, not that he was under fire, but you know, it, there, there had been two weeks where you were waiting for him to settle in, and I think he settled in on Saturday night, especially after that early interception could have could have derailed things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he played uh, he played really well. Painter, uh, we talked a lot about quarterback heading into this week. Thorne obviously running the ball really well. We talked about the Robbie Ashford and versus uh, you know Peyton Thorne's situation. I think Ashford only got a couple of snaps before he kind of took over. Ashford only got 11 snaps all game. Had a really good touchdown pass to uh, Micah Riley. Uh, wide open Micah Riley there in the fourth quarter. Um, but a good ball from him. I thought thought uh, thought Robbie made some good throws uh, when he, you know, he only had three passing attempts, but he did look better and more comfortable throwing the ball in this one. Uh, just, yeah, your your take on just on Thorne in this, in this quarterback situation, I think there's a lot of like what what's happening, who, you know, how do you split up the snaps? Oh, no, you're not going to do the rotation again, are you? And Thorne, again, against Sanford, you know, you got to you gotta take all this with a grain of salt. But I think, you know, he, he did a lot of what Auburn fans have been, have been wanting to see from, from the quarterback spot. It feels like a lot of what your takeaway from the game was, maybe as it often does, comes down to your general philosophy of, like, glass half full – Uh, glass half empty, right? I think there were plenty of signs that there was some progress. And as you've both pointed out, as it's been pointed out in other places, it seemed like the coaching staff went into this game saying, yes, we could use the athleticism and just bully Sanford, but there are objectives that the staff wanted to um, to, to try to work through. You know, I I still think that there are plenty of of places that you might go, oh, against better competition. I'm not so Mm -hmm. certain how this is going to look. Um, the the one little bit of um, maybe saving grace or or a place where you could at least feel a little bit better is that I'm not sure anyone looked all that good uh, in the third week of college football. And Auburn, while it wasn't emphatic, kind of ran away with it against Samford. They did start to, you know, you pointed out uh, perhaps after the Omari Kelly catch, of course, that maybe things did start rolling. So I'd, I I don't know how confident you can feel going into SEC play, but also Auburn is not alone in having all these questions nearly a month into the season. One of the things I think Auburn fans are going to look at from this game and go, "Ah, I don't know about this one, uh, is the running game outside of Peyton Thorne. Now, Peyton Thorne ran the ball really well in this game, took what the defense gave him. Auburn called some really good draws for him. 
Um, you know, he, he scrambled at good times, pulled the ball on some reads and took off, made some big plays. I, you know, I'm going to victory lap a little bit here. I wrote earlier this year that, you know, he's a better runner than people gave him credit for. And, um, you know, had some had some folks try to try to dunk on me for it. Uh, it's Sanford, but I'm I'm feeling a little bit better about it. But the big thing for Thorne is he's healthier. Talk about he had a foot toe issue uh, last season at Michigan State. Couldn't accelerate. Couldn't explode out of it. Healthier, running like he's healthier now, um, and that's a good sign. But the running game outside of that, not as great. Uh, 86 yards on 28 carries for Auburn's running back. Just an average of 3.07. According to our friends at Game on Paper, Auburn was stopped for two or fewer yards on 38% of its runs. That is not what you want in a game against Sanford. Um, now, has some caveats there. Number one, Sanford was overcommitting to the inside running game, um, getting eight in the box quick. You know, And no matter how much bigger and stronger you are than the other team, if they're outnumbering you, it's going to be hard to kind of make some make some big plays happen. You're going to have to break tackles, um, you know, and 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 hit hit the big hit the jets on. And it didn't really happen on this one. I don't think any running back had a carry of of ten ten or more yards in this one. Jarquez Hunter uh, tweaked his ankle in this game. He was running the ball really well early. Uh, I think his first five carries he was averaging he was averaging six yards a touch. That went away in the in the um, you know. Once he got banged up, didn't wasn't quite as effective the rest of the way. Did score though on a short yardage situation. Damar Alston and Brian Batiste stepped up in the second half. They got better movement, uh, but then it be, really became the Peyton Thorge show on the ground in the second half as as Sanford was overplaying the inside run from Auburn uh, and trying to continue to make some make some things happen there. Um, yeah, you would want in a game like this, Dan. You would want Auburn to just say, "Hey, we're going to run it no matter what," especially considering. Um, you know, Western Carolina ran for a ton last week on Sanford. Now, the way Sanford overcommitted to the running game allowed A, Thorne to run the ball better, and B, Auburn to go deep and, and, and get some explosive plays downfield. So, you know, in a game where you still got 562 yards of offense and 200-plus rushing yards, you're not going to hate on it by any means. But, you know, Auburn – that running game, that running back room, just, you know, I think Dave, uh, our, our buddy Dave, friend of the program, uh, who friend of the friends of the program back this week, uh, said on Twitter on, on Sunday morning, like, it lacks a bit of explosiveness that you would want to see. And it's only going to get tougher from here. A&M next week. A&M's got a really good run defense. They Miami did not run the ball very well on them at all two weeks ago, and then uh, ULM got nothing on, on, on Saturday in a blowout win. So it's only getting tougher from here. Yeah, I, I don't um, – Yeah, I, I think it's, it's tempting to look at Sanford's defense and say the one thing they really wanted to take away was Auburn's ability – uh, to run the ball between the tackles with the running backs. And so if that meant they were going to concede passing plays or plays where Peyton Thorne kept the ball uh, you know, as, as part of their game plan, maybe that explains some of what was going on last night uh, with Auburn's running backs. But, yeah, and, and also, you know, we did spend the first part of the show talking about how Auburn came into this game intending to establish a passing game and get – 
touches for the outside receivers. And and maybe it's tough to you know to to please everyone and get, you know, and, and get and get effectiveness everywhere. But the the point about the upcoming schedule is a good one. I mean, Auburn's running backs are about to face along with the rest of the team they're about to face four straight games against teams that were ranked in the preseason AP top 25. And if teams don't have to worry about Auburn's run game, Auburn's offense is going to struggle in those four games. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 you feel like you t- took a step forward with your passing game for sure on, on Saturday, but you're not – ultra confident in them yet it's still very much a work in progress like the offense is a work in progress like the team is a work in progress um that's kind of where we're at with Auburn right now do you think it's an issue where they could look at different personnel or is it could could it be at the play calling level or do you think they could just be evaluating everything trying to yeah uh, trying trying to figure out you know how to how to improve production yeah evaluate everything and on top of that the offensive line um had injuries. Uh, Cam Stutz went out early in this game. Uh, they had to move uh, Gunnar Britton around. Uh, Jeremiah Wright ended up playing a decent bit because of it. Jaden Muskrat uh, came in and played played a lot of snaps after uh, Isaiah Miller went down. Um, so if you're Auburn, you know that this offensive line is still a work in progress. Again, like this offensive line, I think, is playing better than what we've seen last year's. But again, I don't want to – I don't want to be too judgmental here, but um, it's it's a good number of guys that are new and coming from the group of five level, and like that's you know that's it's not going to be this ultra dominant force, especially early in the season. And if you have injuries and the defense starts doing some stuff that you didn't see on film and you haven't had those reps together, yes, it's Sanford. Um, you have to figure it out, and they did. Jeremiah Wright said after the game that Auburn was deal, uh, having a hard time dealing with their backside pressure. Some of their calls, guys were going the wrong way, making the wrong blocks, um, not coming off the blocks at the right time. That's chemistry. That's reps. That's doing it all together. And when you have some injuries that keep you know, affecting that, it's going to happen, even against a team like Sanford. In the second half, Auburn did a much better job of running the ball, um, of, of creating those opportunities. Now, Thorne took advantage of a lot of those. Um, went to some 12 personnel at times, went to some split back sets. Jeremiah Cobb's got a really good you know, spot at being a running back slash wide receiver. I think it's a great way to get him on the field um, to make it a little bit easier to make the reads. And then I think you saw Brian Batie pop a couple of nice runs. Um, you, you had Damari Austin kind of get loose a little bit more. It, you know, Auburn's going to need that running game to, to, to really take that step forward that you need on on offense they did exceptionally well in in week one against umass not as much these last two weeks and it's only getting tougher from here i think a&m's got a great run defense a great you know very talented defensive front we know what george is capable of and we know what lsu is capable of as well as your next three games so time to step on up to the plate in that area but the good news is for auburn i think on offense is that if it is going to be um Peyton Thorne moving forward, and it looks like it is, um, that Auburn's going to continue to keep the confidence in him. And I think he he rewarded some of the faith his offense had in him on Saturday by stepping up and playing well, even after some early uh, that early interception and uh, the, the, the other you know second-quarter interception. Um, if, if you're going to do that, you need to have your quarterback in an RPO-heavier system 
Um, be comfortable at tucking or running. And Thorne showed he was a lot more capable of that. Now, can he do that against ACC teams? That remains to be seen. Um, and the same thing goes for some of these guys who made plays out on the outside of wide receiver and the running game in general. So you got to you got to take all that with an asterisk. But uh, if you want this, if you wanted this game to be about momentum and about confidence, um, like we said earlier in the week in our in our in our preview show, I think you got a lot of that that, that you wanted on the offensive side of the ball uh, in this game. And then you got some more guys into the game and got them involved again. Like I said, Riley. Uh, nice, nice first career touchdown for him. Some big plays downfield, guys going up and winning one-on-one coverage. Uh, if you turn some things up in the in the running game and 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 you know maybe get get some better health uh, with your offense, you know you might be able to you might be able to steal some games. But you're about to come up on three straight here where mm. Auburn is going to be decidedly the underdog. And how do they handle that? We'll see. You feel you would feel pretty good if, for Auburn if you could snatch one of them, uh, one of those three. But it's it's going to be tough to get any of them. Injuries on the offense. They didn't play VAR, and they mentioned uh, uh, Jarquez yeah. at, at the end. You feel like, based on what we know now, I'd expect both of those guys at A and M next week. Sure, but, make the trip at least. But yeah, but you got to see how effective they're going to be. Um, like I said, very good to get Coy Moore back out there. Um, Freeze seems to be pretty high on him. You, you've you got an offensive line that at this point that if you're missing one or two guys on Saturday against A&M or you have those guys go down like you did against Sanford, you feel like you can at least get through it with them, right? It's not like, oh, now you're going to throw somebody out here who had not played yet. Um, but, again, it's it's new and it's the, you know, you're going to have to do a better job, I think, of executing some of your calls, communication, all that. It's got to get better, but you got to get healthier first and foremost. Um the short yardage running failures that Auburn had in this one, not great. You got to you got to step that up. You got to get better uh, moving forward. Um, and in a game like this, even if Sanford was overcommitting, you kind of would feel a lot better if you were Auburn if you could just say, "Hey, we're going to get this. We're going to get these yarded these yards no matter what." And they didn't do that uh, often enough. And and that's a that's a. It, it might not be a, a massive red flag, but it's at least an orange one. It's a, it's at least it's at least a orange to yellow flag that you're like, ah, you you want more out of it. Um, we'll we'll move on to defense and special teams here uh, on the other side of uh, of some business. But fellas, any 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 final thoughts on the offense uh, before we move forward? Yeah, I mean, all, all told, I think. I mean, you would have liked more production out of the running backs. You would have liked it to seem easier uh, for Auburn's ground game. But I'll I'll take the strides that Peyton Thorne made last night, and you know, put some of of the questions we had about the quarterback position uh, to rest for the moment, at least. Because yeah, I mean, if 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 you were uncertain after three games going into A and M, that'd be a really tough spot to be in. Mm-hmm. There, there, there are teams in the SEC that don't really know uh, what the future holds at the quarterback position this year, three games into the season, and that's not where you want to be. And so, for Auburn to have, uh, to, you know, to have Peyton Thorne show why he won that job, I think that's a step in the right direction for this offense. Yeah, I do too. I think you're going to continue to see Robbie Astrid at times. I think situationally makes a lot of sense. He did get that red zone look. But this 
Auburn's staff and this team looks like it's built to go with Peyton Thorne. Um, not saying that Ashford doesn't have a chance. Uh, Thorne said earlier in the week that Garner, Holden Garner is continuing to push as well. Uh, but you're rolling with the transfer quarterback that you got and brought in and, and named a starter um, two weeks in advance for a reason. And we will see how that goes into SEC play. I do think the edge with Peyton is that he is experienced at throwing the ball uh, in some big games. And he's played in some big environments before. Um, and I think that's going to be pretty helpful uh, with, the, with the slate that they're about to go on here, uh, starting with Texas A&M next week. All right. Let's take care of some business first. Uh, if you like this show, you like uh, what we do here on the old recap episodes on Sundays, uh, well, what if you would like to hear us talk about the game before it happens? Our preview episodes come out on Thursday morning. Those are just for Auburn Observer subscribers. You get that and all of the writing at the Observer, so newsletters. Uh, you get a newsletter or a podcast pretty much every day of the week. Some days you get both you get a newsletter and a podcast you'll have a couple of those opportunities this week um you got uh you got observations were up this morning on sunday morning uh you have this podcast uh friends of the program with painter dave and pablo are is back this week uh, and that'll be on a little bit more regular schedule every few weeks moving forward and uh yeah uh you'll get that in a, in a couple uh, you know you'll get that in a newsletter uh, later this week Thursday, you'll get the preview episode and the 2013 look-back story. Got plenty of coverage coming from, from Texas next weekend. So, AuburnObserver.com, sign up. It is $6 a month or $60 a year. We email everything out to you, so as soon as a podcast drops, as soon as a new newsletter drops, it is in your inbox. Uh, you don't have to wait on an app or a link or anything like that. And, um, yeah, there are buttons to click on, links in the description, if you found us, however way, whichever way you found us, this podcast, you, you there's an easy way to sign up for the Observer. And once you pay, you're in, and uh, it's super super easy uh, to get all of our stuff coming your way. There's also a way you can help us out for no money down. What's that, Painter? Rate, review, subscribe, follow. They've changed the button name. I've said it before. Rate, review, follow on your app of choice. Uh, leave us a review. We do appreciate it. It helps us out a ton. Five stars, say something nice about Painter and Dan. Uh, we really, really do appreciate that uh, with all of our podcast reviews. Also, let's take some time to shout out our good friends at homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel, uh, the number one place to buy vintage collegiate apparel. We're talking the softest hoodies, T-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, joggers, hats, uh, quarter zips, uh, with the coolest designs, you're going to get the best uh, looking stuff in college apparel. A lot of home field on uh, on Saturday, as always, seeing a Tiger walking in the stands. I'm currently wearing some home field right now um, because they're the most comfortable t-shirts I have, and you're going to want you're going to want that. It's getting a little bit cooler in some places of the country. Getting time to be hoodie season again. Quarter zips for uh, crew necks for the for the classier among you. Uh, Homefield's got that. A lot of good Auburn stuff, a lot of great Auburn designs, football, basketball, some baseball stuff, some general Auburn uh, stuff. Go on there and check it out. You can also get the official Auburn Observer T-shirt, which I believe Painter is wearing right now. Uh, yes, he is. He's you know This is not a visual podcast, but he's modeling it. Uh, but you know he's looking great, and he's feeling comfortable, cause, and that's, what it, that's what's important. 
you know, especially on a on a on a weekend. Just go to Home Field Apparel and search Auburn Observer, and you can get our official T-shirt. Uh, the only place to get it, homefieldapparel.com. And if you'd like 15% off your first order at Home Field, if you've never ordered from them before, use the promo code OBSERVER23 at checkout, and uh, you can tell them that the Observer sent you. All right, fellas, 40 minutes into this podcast. I wrote like nearly 2,000 words uh, on on. Uh, Sunday morning before I really got into the defense. That's no disrespect to those guys. This defense continues to be pretty impressive. Not perfect. There's some areas you want to tighten up and get better at for sure, but um, we ca- we said coming into this game that Sanford was going to um, you know, have some tricky stuff going on uh, with their offense. Um, they put the ball in the air a lot. Chris Hatcher's very innovative. Um, this is a guy who Playing the Howl Mummy, um, you know, was was in the Howl Mummy and and uh, Mike Leach system, you know, Valdosta State. He's just he's been around uh, at a lot of the smaller schools in the South. And Sanford, I mean, they'll put up numbers on you, man. Uh, you know, Florida found that out uh, a few years ago. Others have have seen that in the past. This game though was really good for Auburn on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball. You look at uh, the. Uh, just 4.36 yards per attempt uh, in the passing game. That's great. Uh, Sanford had as many interceptions as explosive plays in this game. They didn't get a big play until the third quarter. Coverage might have got broken down on a couple of those plays. Sanford ends up scoring a touchdown because of it. No harm, no foul. Auburn already had the game in, in, in hand at this point. But Jalen Simpson, J.D. Rim both coming down with picks. You stopped the run. Sanford didn't really get anything on the ground in this game at all. Um, was disrupted through the air. A lot of guys going up and breaking up things, making plays. The, the linebackers and the and the secondary for Auburn in particular, they're doing a really good job of being disruptive and, and, and being the kind of unit that you want in a Ron Roberts defense. They are making plays. They're, they're, they're doing really well. And right now, again, yes, they've played UMass Cal and – Sanford, not necessarily a murderer's row, but statistically, Auburn heading into SEC play, top 10 defense in the country. They're doing a really good job of, of taking care of business on that side of the ball. I thought the secondary did a, did a good job holding up against uh, a team that throws the ball as much as Sanford does and, and, and wants – I mean, Sanford kind of traffics on mistakes made by the other team's secondary and being able to turn that from a – a decent gain into a huge play. Auburn was able to keep that from happening uh, the, the the whole game. Little concerned about the pass rush, Justin. Yeah, it felt like yeah. especially especially early, you know, it seemed like Auburn wasn't really rattling the cage of the uh, Samford quarterback. And you know that that schedule, you know, just just keeps keeps coming back into mind as far as the the caliber of the offensive lines and and the offenses that Auburn is about to play it is imperative that Auburn get some pressure on the quarterback in these next couple of weeks you did get uh you did get some some good production out of Masai Nasilakite uh had had a couple of uh, had a few um pressures in this game Cam Riley had a sack Lawrence Johnson almost had a safety big Lawrence Johnson just busting through the middle of that line and making a play was good to see I think Larry Nixon had a pressure as well. But, yeah, not a whole lot in, in that department. Jalen McLeod uh, did not play a ton in this game. I think he finished with 20 yeah twenty snaps in this one. 
they got to have him healthy. Um, and it might have just been, you know, a lot of this stuff might have just been precautionary. You know, you want to you wanna be safe, better safe than sorry in a game like this uh, before SEC play. But, yeah, the pass rush just – Auburn didn't blitz nearly as much in this game um, just because Sanford was spreading the field and, and, uh, and trying to get the ball out of their guys' hands quick. Um, looks like, if I'm, if I'm reading this right, looks like Eugene Asante – only had a few blitzes in this game. Larry Nixon had three. Cam Riley had a couple. So they didn't blitz a ton in this game. It was just kind of the, the the front four had to do a lot of that work and wasn't quite as effective. As we've said, this defensive front can make some plays at times, but just not at the consistency that we have gotten used to seeing from an Auburn defense. Um, again, it's a new look up front, a lot of new guys. You don't have the Derek Brown or the – uh, Carl Lawson, or, or I, I would say personally, even the uh, Colby Wooden type of playmaker, Derek Hall up front, and that's kind of affecting uh, what we've seen from Auburn right now. Run game, you know, they held their own in this game. The linebackers did a good job of filling and getting downhill, but uh, for the most part, but you gotta, I, I think you'd want to make some more plays up front for that defensive line, and we just haven't seen that for the first few games. But linebackers continue to make plays. Secondary continue to make a lot of plays uh, and getting active back there. No Nehemiah Pritchett again. Same thing as last week. Tried him out. Didn't play. Um, you know, tried him out. Came back out of uh, uh, warm-ups in street clothes. They didn't chance it. Rim playing a good bit uh, on Saturday for the first time this year. He comes down with a pick, which is exactly what you want to see. I feel like Auburn... Um, you know, feels like if Pritchett can come back fully healthy, that's four cornerbacks they're going to feel pretty good about uh, going into SEC play. It's a really good sign. Um, DJ James will continue to be DJ James. Uh, you did see, um, you did see a pretty good uh, game again from Kay and Lee. Caleb, Caleb Wooden had to play a lot at nickel star in this game because you saw Keontae Scott leave early, very early in this game with an injury. Uh, no Donovan Kaufman. Um, he practiced this week. You know they felt confident that, or they felt optimistic, I should say, that he could play. They didn't chance it, obviously, in this game, uh, coming off of a coming off of what looked like a head injury against Cal. So a lot of Caleb Wooden on uh, on Saturday. A lot of other guys getting involved and having to make some plays in the secondary. But they're they're being disruptive. They're they're getting their hands on the ball in the air. Um, they're forcing turnovers. How about this, guys? Auburn has five turnovers forced through the first uh, three weeks of the season. Um, I believe that's right. Or hold on, let me let me five interceptions. I'm sorry. Um, through the first few weeks of the season, they only had six last year, all last season. So the Ron Roberts effect coming out there. Another stat: uh, Auburn has had uh, multiple takeaways in three straight games to start the year. Uh, the last time that happened, the middle of the 2013 season, when Auburn had the uh, that stretch of Mississippi State, Florida, Arkansas, and LSU, had multiple takeaways in all those games. And that, we all know that 2019 defense went down as statistically one of the better ones we saw at Auburn. Um, so that that's a good sign to be disruptive back there. Love the way uh, Jalen Simpson has started uh, this season, right? I mean, that this is a guy Ball who... Ball hawk. Ball yeah, hawk. What, what, what wasn't... wasn't uh, talked about as much as some other guys maybe around the program th- this offseason not that he was overlooked or underrated or anything but I think it's just you knew what you were getting in uh, in, in Jalen Simpson and he's he's raised his game uh, t- this year 
and he's been one of the top defensive players on the team. Doing a great job and continues to be one of the best personalities in inter- interviews on the team. Gerard Powers was the last Auburn player, guys. Gerard Powers was the last Auburn player to have uh, interceptions in three straight games. Uh, that happened uh, towards the end of the 2007 season. So it has been 16 years since one Auburn player has had a pick in three straight games. Um, kind of a cool bit of history there. And uh, Simpson's reaction about it was pretty incredible. This is a quote gotten from uh, gotten by our buddy Nathan King at 247. Uh, he tweeted this out. This was the quote of the night from the observations. If you read it, I, I did want to read it again here on the air. So Jalen Simpson is the first Auburn player with three picks in three games since Gerard Powers. Simpson, quote, Wow, it's been a long time, but I think it's time for, a get, for it to get broken by a young man named Simp. Uh, and uh, he also asked uh, DJ James to bring the seatbelt back uh, because uh, he didn't have it. <laughs> he didn't have it in the post game. He said, uh, "He said DJ James got the pick against Cal to seal the game, and he didn't give the seatbelt back." <laughs> so, so he said, "He said if anybody talks to DJ, tell him to give him my seatbelt back." But yeah, great, great start to the year for 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 Jalen Simpson, a guy who's played a lot of football for Auburn, and I think in this system. The way they're aggressive with their with their secondary, making a lot of plays and getting some one on one opportunities for the safeties, he's just reading and reacting really well and and and, uh, and making making some making some things happen. What's the um, what's the word on Nehemiah and uh, w- whether or not he'll be like we? Yeah, cause it's been it's been sort of been sort of up in the air. Yeah, everything's kind of up in the air. I think any of the injuries that Auburn picked up in this game, I think Luke Deal got knocked out for a little bit in this one. It's still early. I don't think any of them were big time like off the field and in crutches or anything like that. Wouldn't be surprised to see those guys practice on Tuesday ahead of the A&M game. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot of those guys are going to be you know, just kind of day to day, keep an eye on it. You're not going to get a ton of concrete information from Auburn, and it's going to be game time picks i would imagine just like it was on saturday against sanford just like it was last saturday against cal that's kind of the it's kind of the situation painter you had something dan actually went exactly where i was going to go the only thing i would add to that is similar to jarquez hunter when hugh freeze sort of referred to the rust he was shaking off in his first game back against cal you wonder if that could be the case if Nehemiah is healthy and able to go against an sec opponent however i think any concerns you have about that are outweighed simply by how talented Pritchett is, you'd much rather have him out there rusty than not have him out there at all. Yeah, and I think in that game you'd want to have just multiple guys. And like I said, to be able to have – if J.D. Rim can continue – I mean, he played well against Sanford. If he can continue to play well and, and, and bounce back from the injuries that kind of – I mean, he was out for a long time uh, this this preseason um, You know, with some, with some injury concerns. If that's the case – Four cornerbacks going in SEC play with four outside corners that you really like, two veterans and two young guys um, who can be the next wave. That's that's probably the best case scenario for Auburn defensively. Getting all these reps for Kay and Lee, getting JD Rim back, still having a an NFL type of corner in DJ James out there while Nehemiah Pritchett gets as healthy as possible. You would hope that's a that's a pretty good spot to be in for Auburn. Caleb wouldn't getting all those reps on on Saturday helps as well because if you see Scott or um, Kaufman continue to miss time, you feel a little bit better about the nickel depth. 
And then at safety, it, it's Puckett and Simpson. You're, you're getting some other guys on the field, but Puckett and Simpson continue to be out there and, and make the right plays. Auburn safety, Auburn safety's been really good. You haven't seen a whole lot of breakdowns, and you haven't seen other teams kind of take the top off the defense yet. Uh, and that's that's credit to those guys back there for sure. Do you get the sense that uh, the Canley has uh, has performed uh, pretty well in the two and a half three games that they've they've used him and and then JD Rim uh, getting getting some action last night? I, I think I think Canley's played it really well. Wrote about him earlier this week. The first Auburn corner that I can find that started his first two games of his true freshman season. Uh, you got to go all the way back to Carlos Rogers. Um, he has already played, uh, I think it's like 132 snaps this year. That's already going to be one of the biggest that we've seen in the last decade for a true freshman outside corner. Man, it's hard. It is hard to play outside cornerback uh, as a true freshman. You get out there on an island and you have to guard some really good players, especially in the SEC. Now, Auburn hasn't played an SEC game yet. They have been the better team in all three games. That's not going to be the case in the next three. So in this second quarter of the season, it'd be interesting to see how Kay and Lee steps up. There are going to be some bumps and bruises. There's going to be some issues, I, I would imagine, at times. Teams are going to go after him, and I'm sure teams will go after J.D. Rim as well whenever he's out there, but playing really well uh, for sure. And I thought Rim, I thought Rim had a good, really good game, made a good play on the ball to come up with that interception uh, against Sanford. And, and yeah, like, you know, no one's going to be absolutely floored uh, that that Auburn did a good job on defense against an FCS team, but this is a Sanford team that can be tricky uh, throwing the ball. And even with some injuries and some situations, they were able to do well. Uh, only gave up one true touchdown uh, drive. the the short field The very short field created off of the uh, off of the muff punt from uh, from Jay Fair. Really, the only mistake he had all game. We'll see what Auburn does in the punt return. No Keontae Scott. He had Fair back there. I think uh, uh, Simpson had to come out there and get one at one time, which he hadn't had a lot of experience with. We'll keep an eye on punt return because that can end up being a pretty big game and a pretty big factor in some in some big games moving forward. But um, do you think do you think they may go back to Javarius in, in punt return? Do you think they may go to Javarius when he's maybe when he's out there? Maybe. I mean, Keontae Scott could also be that guy for you like it's they got options they just were down to third and fourth string on saturday and it just not not exactly what you wanted uh you know at that point in the year uh or at this point in the year uh you can you, you hope those guys can get healthy for sure but the, the fact the defense only gave up really a couple big plays all game and um kept them out of the end zone for the vast majority of this one yeah, you know, that's not always a given against a team like Sanford, especially when you're a new defense learning a lot. Whereas the offense, a lot of that newness, is very much a work in progress. I think the defense, I'm not willing to come out and say they're ahead of the curve, ahead of schedule, because they have bit played three teams where they were the clear favorites in it. But they are further along than than the offense is, and 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 that's a good sign because you know that can that can help buy you some time. Did VAR uh, muff one of the punts last night? Because I, I, that's where I actually thought, like, I don't know if he played any receiver, but I thought they brought him in maybe to catch a punt. And he was, because I, I thought the one in the first half when he was sort of waving fair catch. Yeah, he had, it, he didn't have any it, offensive it, snaps. But I think he may have come in to catch a punt, and he may have he may have uh, muffed it, because I thought they, yes, there yeah, were, they were, they were looking at, them, I think, I think. Yep. I think they went to, it was it, was it Keontae? Var, Jay Fair, and Simpson all all at some point were, were back there. So I mean, it's 
it's uh, it's all hands on deck, mm-hmm. I, I think, mm-hmm. at punt return, and, and maybe that thing reopens this week. Does Batie have much experience as a punt returner, or is he more of a kick returner? Much more of a kick returner. Straight line guy. His speed is you know, kick retur- or punt returner, you want guys who can be a little bit shiftier, yep. um, usually a little taller. Uh, then, then, then your kicker turner, kicker turner. You put your fast guy back there and let him go to work. And and also, I mean, he he hadn't returned to kick for a touchdown yet. He hadn't housed one yet. But man, Brian Batie is fearless, fearless at this point in uh, in in kick returns. Uh, right now, Batie is top twenty in the country in uh, kick return average, and uh, he is tied for second with. Uh, with, thir- with three 30-plus uh, kick returns so far. Um, and uh, you, you like what you get out, out of that. So, thought Auburn's defense play well. You want your defense front to kind of continue to improve and develop and, and start making some more plays. Thought your linebackers played another great game. Secondary played another great game. Uh, you'll take it. You'll take it. Uh, where, where a majority of your defense is, is, is playing really well. Uh, the Ron Roberts defense has been pretty disruptive. Now, A&M... And I put up some points, uh, you know, in in even in that loss against Miami, put up some points against ULM uh, last Saturday or on Saturday, I should say. Um, they threw the ball around a lot. Connor Wagman had a, had a really good game. Rotated a lot at running back. They they've got some offensive confidence. This is not the same offense that walked into Jordan Hare and looked dreadful at last November. Um, so it's. I think it's good for Auburn that they have gotten that advantage, especially now as A&M's trying to figure some things out on defense, especially through the air. Um, they gave up a lot uh, passing against against Miami, not as much on the ground, which makes this matchup pretty interesting. But we will preview all that on Thursday this week. Auburn A&M SEC plays here, guys. Before we move on to kind of some bigger picture college football stuff, want to point out though. Auburn, 3-0, halfway to bowl eligibility. Um, and uh, that was why that Cal win, that comeback was so big. Uh, you know, you're in a spot now if you're Auburn that assuming you beat New Mexico State later in the year, um, you don't have to have a winning record in the SEC to make it to a bowl game this year. Uh, 500 could get you 7-5, and five, which would be right around expectations, maybe a little above, uh, at least above the, the Vegas line. And then if you you know, pull off a, a, a 500 year in SEC play or better, you're talking eight and four or better, and that's a, that's a really good year one for Auburn. This is a rebuilding year. This is a rebuilding team. This is a process. There are going to be some losses. There are going to be some losses, barring something very very surprising. These next three games, Auburn's probably going to lose multiple of them, and. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of what the reaction is to that and how Auburn handles it moving forward. But um, in terms of the big picture, they're taking care of, ter- care of business so far. Not always been pretty. It's going to be a work in progress. This year is about learning and building and developing and, and putting a product on the field that gets more and more people excited and keeps the recruits coming in because that's what it's going to take to rebuild Auburn football. But, uh, hey, 3-0, halfway there. These, these next four games, right, you think about – a&M is a team that last couple of years has recruited at a level where people think maybe Hugh Freeze could, could get Auburn. Uh, Georgia and LSU were the two teams in the SEC championship game last year. And then at the you know game four in this stretch, Hugh Freeze goes, uh, he welcomes in Ole Miss, his, his former team, 
and and they'll play at Jordan Hare. So yeah, this is a this is a glimpse of what it takes to be a top SEC program these next four weeks. And not not that Hugh Freeze has never seen it before because he's he's faced teams that played for SEC championships and won SEC championships and won national championships. Uh, but this is you know he he gets to see what what his Auburn team looks like against teams that have those kind of credentials. Yeah, and and think about it this way. These next four games, Auburn's probably not going to be favored. They may be favored at home against Ole Miss, depending on what happens over the next month. Probably not going to be favored in the next three. LSU looked a whole lot better on Saturday against Mississippi State. But think about it this way. You You survive the next four. You try to pick one off. If you pick two off, you're you're feeling really good about it. The final five, you got New Mexico State, but look what else you got. Mississippi State just got thrashed by LSU. They're not looking as strong. Um, again, a new era for them. They're having to restart a lot. Um, Vanderbilt just lost to UNLV uh, on the road. Uh, Arkansas just lost to BYU. Um, and uh, doesn't look quite as formidable as people thought. And they're about to go through a gauntlet even harder than Auburn's is, it looks like. Um, and am I missing one more? Oh, Alabama. Uh, you, you get New Mexico State and Alabama. We'll see what Bama looks like at the end of the year. I think they'll be fine, but fine and good and and, and usual Alabama fine is is uh, looking a whole lot different. But that's what makes this next stretch. you got to learn a lot, got to improve from it. Uh, next four games, win one, good deal. Win two. Great deal. Lose all four. Well, at least you've got you've got the back part of the schedule where you can pick up some wins. So it's a, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough stretch. If Auburn fans, if if I'm not saying you're overly concerned about the result, but it, you play the games to win. Uh, winning and losing is the most important stat that there is. Mm. There's gonna be some losses probably coming up here, and it'll be interesting to see how everybody handles it from the fan base to more importantly the players and the and the coaches themselves but yeah the SEC guys not not great right now uh not a not a banner showing uh i think it's quarterback play i really do i think especially when you see what's going on at alabama um tennessee joe milton has not been as plug and play as as we thought i didn't get to see a ton of that game it just kind of felt like florida just kind of bullied them and uh I mean, I think Milton finished with better numbers than Graham Mertz, and and Florida won without necessarily leaning on their quarterback too hard. Um, you know, I just Dave tweeted it yesterday. Like, who's the best quarterback in the SEC? And I think the fact that we're having to sit here and think about that one shows that like probably why the SEC is in the spot that it's in. Um, Spencer Rattler looked good early. South Carolina faded in the second half. Carson Beck played better in the second half. Like, it's just. That's where we're at. That's where we're at is in the SEC this year. It's going to be a weird year. It's going to be a weird year for sure. You know, Jackson Dart's had a really strong, solid start to the season. A guy nobody's really talking about. And I guess I get that you'd want to you'd want to see it against against better conference level opponents. I don't want to say against better opponents because they've played they play too late. They played Tulane and 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 Georgia Tech in in their first three. So, and that's. I mean that's maybe the most interesting game of the week next week with uh, with, yeah. with Ole Miss going going to Tuscaloosa yeah. with the problems Alabama has all of a sudden Lane Kiffin I mean if he's ever gonna win in Tuscaloosa as Ole Miss head coach 
it's going to be Saturday. This feels like, like it's, it's, it's it. gonna, yeah. It's going to be Saturday. If it's ever going to happen yeah. for, for, for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, it, it's going to be this Saturday. And I feel like Ole Miss is probably their most confident in what they're doing on offense right now um, in the SEC of these teams. I haven't, I haven't kept a close eye on some of these other ones, but just looking at the results, they've, they've taken care of business. One by double digits, all three games. Just what you want, you know, what you want in games like that. So Ole Miss is – doing pretty well right now but the rest of the conference is just yeah they're they're either in rebuilding mode or they're teams that we expected to be better than uh, that are not so far now a lot can change we saw lsu look terrible early last season and then end up winning the winning the division so you know and georgia i mean like it is funny like georgia was behind and south carolina played well in that first half i thought um beamer and those guys did a good job of scheming some stuff up and and making plays, but then it was just like Georgia was like, no, wait, hold on. We're Georgia. We're still one of the most talented teams in the world. Take that. Yeah, that live bet dropped all the way to three and a half. You know, that was one of those oh, where wow, you really? look. Yeah, and it's like, oh, Georgia's going to win by four points. I mean, this is as badly as they might have played in the first half. Uh, that was easy pickings. Yes, yeah, so Spencer Rattler had a uh, – yeah, he, was, he was a big reason why South Carolina was able to take that early lead. It's like six of 24 – or something in the second half, like when the Georgia defense clamped down, South Carolina had nothing going offensively, and it, and it seems like that could be the story of uh, a lot of these these Georgia games this season. Is you know, it, it, just because you've got an early lead, you know, you you still got to weather the storm. And in the context of all of college football, I mean, I'm looking at the looking at the let's just look at the top twenty five from yesterday. Man, Boston College really gave Florida State a game, and uh, that is the same Boston College that struggled with Holy Cross last week. Um, I think Penn State, I think Penn State and Washington are the two two like clear cut top five teams, and they have played really good football all year long. Um, so that shouldn't be that shouldn't be discounted. Uh, let's see, LSU crushed Mississippi State. Oh man, Missouri! How about that? We didn't talk about Missouri. Um, Missouri looked really kind of mid-city in their first two games. Uh, I think both of them were paycheck games. And then they beat Kansas State, and that's not easy. But on top of that, the Kansas this Kansas State game, watch the end of it. It seemed like they mismanaged the end of the game about as poorly as you could from a coaching perspective, and it still didn't matter because the kid hit a 61-yard field goal in the rain. Yes, that's the same kicker who missed a chip shot to lose that would have won against Auburn last year. Same kid, he had missed multiple field goals this season. He had missed an extra point this season. And he hits the longest field goal in SEC history in a walk-off uh, for, for Missouri to beat Kansas State. That's another one to kind of point out. Uh, guys, I didn't see a lot or hear a lot Just ex- in, in, instead of just, just big-time angst from Alabama, South Florida. Can, can 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 anyone who saw a little bit more or read a little bit more about it explain to me what happened in that one? Because that that it was ten to three for forever. It just seems like, I mean, a, a lot of it gets back to what's going on at quarterback for, for Alabama. Buckner was the the guy this week. They they made the switch after the Texas game. Uh, the, the Notre Dame transfer Buckner was was not impressive. In I think he got about a half. Of action, they go with uh, Simpson, the third quarterback to play for Alabama so far this season. Simpson steps in in the second half, 
doesn't seem like I know I know he's the quarterback on the drive that allows Alabama to go up 10 to 3, I believe that's correct. And and then he's there at the end of the game when they run out the clock and and sort of uh, salt the game away and go up 17 to 3, but if South Florida had an offense that didn't make so many crushing mistakes, they they could have made that game razor thin. Alabama has especially when you think about the run they've been able to have the last couple of years at quarterback, at running back, at receiver, it's it's odd how ordinary the Alabama offense looks compared to the superstar-laden Alabama teams of the last few years. Now that could change as conference play rolls around, but right now, um, yeah, that that's that's one of the more surprising things in the SEC for a team that had so many dominant future NFL stars these last couple of years. You know, they're they're looking for answers, and I don't know if they've got a superhero on that offense this year. In the past, when they've been figuring things out at quarterback, they could lean on their run game, um, play bully ball against an inferior opponent or at least a team that's much less athletic. They just look so unsure of themselves right now. Speaking of, like, this should have been a lot closer than it ended up being, and the one game I did keep an eye on because it was in the early slate on on Saturday uh, that got me, and they ended up pulling away in the second half, Wisconsin and Georgia Southern – did anybody happen to see uh, how many turnovers the Georgia Southern quarterback had in this game? Six through five picks. Georgia Southern lost by twenty-one in this game, and he had a fumble too. Georgia Southern lost by twenty-one in this uh, twenty-one in this game, but they outgained Wisconsin. <laughs> like, like this should have been a lot, a lot closer. And I know Wisconsin's not ranked, and they're still figuring things out. New coach there as well, but like that was another one where you just kind of looked up and said. Yeah, why is this happening? But there were quite a few games like that uh, on, on Saturday. I know Texas was uh, it was close with Wyoming and Texas early on in the in the first half of that one. How about the Jags? Yeah. South Alabama going to Stillwater yeah. and running Gundy off the field, dude. Not just hey, it was an upset. They kicked their teeth in. Like that was a that was a thorough dismantling. Uh, South Alabama. Uh, getting that big win over uh, over uh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State had 208 total yards at home against a Sun Belt team in Week Three. Also, this might only be important to just me on this podcast. Um, South Alabama's leading rusher in the game, Ladamian Webb. Beauregard's own Ladamian Webb. If you don't know the Ladamian Webb story, he's a six-year player. He's bounced around college football a few times. Uh, in a few different spots, he settled it uh, at at South. He's done a great job there. Uh, Ladamian Webb, uh, my favorite, uh, my favorite Ladamian Webb story is, of course, his state title game uh, in 2016. He <laughs> he won uh, he won Mister Football in the state of Alabama in 2016. Was the first ever underclassman to win uh, that that job. But in 2016. As a uh, as a junior, he ran the ball 51 times for 359 yards and five touchdowns in a state title game. Uh, so uh, shout out to the guard, shout out to uh, shout out to Ladamian Webb, shout out to South. Um, lost that didn't look super great in that first game against Tulane, but I think Tulane will do that to you from times. 
they they they're salty. They're uh, it's good to see a newer team in in especially in state. Um, you know, make the progress they they did. They've done a great job. Great hire, by the way. Like South Alabama, the the hire they made uh, a few years ago uh, with their head coach. Just I mean, just a really really good pickup uh, there, and uh, it's paying off. Yeah, I, th- I think Kane Womack could be on lists for you know Power Five programs in the next couple of years. The way he's winning at uh, at South Alabama, you know, shout out to shout out to all the webs, shout out to Ladarius, mm-hmm. right? While we're while we're shouting him out, yeah, I'm, I I saw him back in uh, I don't know would have been years ago uh, during the Beauregard days, uh, but but I I thought he seemed like a guy who could play high level college football. Sure enough, he was the Ravens kick returner as a rookie. Uh, when he uh, when he finally got uh, to the NFL, so yeah, the uh, uh, don't don't sleep on the webs, right? Like they'll uh, they'll, they'll they'll surprise you. Also, just real quick, Dan, we got to get Troy some offense. It's, it they they had chance after chance to kind of pull that one off against a very good James Madison team. The defense is fine. I mean, they kind of got they kind of got ripped up a little bit by uh, Kansas State last week, but you know it's a game where they were the big underdog. But I mean. It's just they got to get some offense. They got to get some offense. They'll be fine if they can just get they can get some offense going. Sunbelt looking pretty fun um, earlier in the year. I'll say that. Uh, Georgia Georgia State's doing really well uh, early in the year, and uh, some of these other teams are, are starting to uh, starting to find some life. Old Dominion right was all over uh, Wake Forest. I think they let that game uh, slip away, but they were up big at the half. TJ TJ uh, Finley and Texas State just keep putting up numbers in every game they play. Um, so shout out to the fun belt. Let's just let's just get our boys in Troy some Troy some offense. Let's get that going, and then they can make a run. But yeah, South off to a great start for sure. Um, fun to see, fun to see that coming on. And also again, uh, Auburn fans like to point this out: Auburn playing an in-state team. Uh, they're playing Sanford in this game. I think it's cool when you get to keep keep it close to home. If you're going to give your paycheck money to somebody, your big paycheck money to an FCS team. Try to keep it as close to home as possible. Yes, I know they play New Mexico State and UMass later in the year, but um, yeah, I just, I, 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 if we're going to continue to do FCS games, which I hope there's some form of FCS game still in existence between FC, FPS and FCS, just because the money is very important to those programs. Yeah, let's put as many in-state in-state games as, as you can. I think it's I think it's great for great for Auburn and great for great for the state of Alabama for sure. All right, folks. That'll do it. Uh, as we said, Auburn 45, Sanford 13. Uh, we will have newsletters the next few days. Uh, our next podcast, uh, Friends of the Pro- Program, if you are a subscriber, Friends of the Program will drop, probably drop that on Wednesday, Painter. Does that sound right? Yes, Wednesday. Uh, so Wednesday you'll get that pod. Thursday you get the preview pod uh, for the game. Newsletters throughout the week, mailbag. Always go ahead and send in mailbag questions as early, early as you can get them. I'll be heading on down to Texas for the AM game uh, this weekend. Looking forward to that. Always fun to take a work trip out to Texas. And, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see. I think Auburn, you know, our A&M, it'll be interesting to see what A&M's coming off of. They, they did get a get-back-right game like Auburn did against ULM on Saturday. It is early. There's still frustration with with uh, what's going on at uh, in College Station right now. So I, yeah. I'm interested to see how the atmosphere um, is and how Auburn handles it, especially in an early kickoff in a game like that. Justin, um, 
what's what's something like i imagine there are some auburn fans that are going to make the trip to college station for the first time is there something you gotta do when you're in college station texas is there something you gotta see if you've never been to college station texas before for a game day weekend so i've written it before and i don't want to i don't want to throw flames on anything in a game week i don't want to i don't want to do that but um i have said that I, I'm not a huge fan of College Station itself, the campus. It's huge. I mean, A&M is a, one of the biggest schools in the country. It is huge. It is spread out. It is flat. A lot of buildings, a lot of concrete. So I'm not as crazy about A&M. I, I do love, te- I do love t- going to Texas. I do love that part of the country for sure. Um, I will say, though, and we'll talk about it more later this week in the preview podcast, um, but an early look, if you are going to College Station – and you have never been to Fuego, uh, uh, which is a taco place there uh, in College Station. And if I remember correctly, it's open 24 hours. I'm pretty sure it's open 24 hours. Um, go look up Fuego College Station. Read their menu. They do a lot of wacky. Uh, they do a lot of traditional tacos and some and some really good ones, especially their breakfast tacos. They do a lot of wacky kind of like uh, crazy stuff with uh, with their tacos. There got a Dr Pepper. A uh, brisket one that's really good. Some other ones you can you can check out for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would recommend Fuego if you haven't been to Fuego yet. It's open all the time. It's going to be crowded at, at parts during a game weekend, but you'll have time to kind of pop over there. It's really good stuff. Really good stuff. I'm gonna, I'll shout out Fuego. That's my early wreck for those of y'all going to College Station. That's it for me. We'll be back on Thursday. Friends of the program back on Wednesday. Newsletters throughout the week. Send in your mailbag questions. Thank you guys so so much for listening and subscribing. Painter, final thoughts. I think we leave it right there. I think we leave it right there, folks. Wow. Yeehaw, Painter. Is that is that, is that the final Love thought? It. Is, uh, is Love it. To the town of our free road, a stranger one fine day. Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say. No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip. The stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip.